ago, kind of an odd thing to talk about, but a few years ago, the Muppets and CeeLo Green, I know, co-produced a Christmas song called All I Need Is Love. Complete with a music video and everything. I mean, you could imagine. You have Kermit, you know, Fozzie, uh, Mrs. Piggy, to Pepe, to Gonzo, and all his chickens, and there's plenty of bling going wrong, if you know what I'm talking about with Zelo Grant, you know. And, uh, you know, the crew, they were singing all about Christmas presents that they could get, fancy toys and the latest technology. But ironically, perhaps... At its core, the song captures really the true meaning of Christmas. The Muppets and CeeLo Green definitely did not uh, want all the stuff, and all they wanted, you know, and all they said they needed was, was love, and, and they didn't want any of the presents except Mrs. Piggy, of course, because she wanted every, you know, she's a pig. She wants everything, you know. But I'm sure they never set out to make any grand theological statements with their Christmas song. But the song really does tap into this truth that all we really do need is love. Today, as we celebrate the second Sunday of Advent um, in this journey of, of God being with us, we're celebrating love. Uh, he was a human embodiment of, of love. He came down here as a little baby, as, as God's gift, the anointment of God's gift. And, and he came as Emmanuel, which is God with us. He came as God incarnate. And his love was incarnate. This Advent season is all about preparation of our heart, our minds, and our soul, and, and all our strength. Everything that we do is preparation of, of, of the coming or the arrival of of Christ, which that's what the word Advent means. And the season is marked with expectation of waiting and anticipation and longing. And, you know, Advent is not just an, like an extension of Christmas. <laughs> Advent is Christmas. It's what it's all about. It offers us the opportunity to share the, you know, that ancient longing of, of there's more to this and the coming of the Messiah to celebrate his birth and to be alert of his second coming. Advent looks back to, you know, in celebration of all the, the hope that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ coming. Well, at the same time, it's, it's a look forward to the hopeful and eager expectation of the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns with all his people. Either we'll be there returning or we'll be here going to join them, one of the two, if, if we believe in Jesus Christ. During Advent, we, we wait for both. It's an active, it's an assured, it's a, it's a hopeful waiting. And each week, we focus on a different attribute of, of, of God's representative, you know, re- representative in, in the coming of Jesus and in the, in the hope, as we talked about last week. The love and the joy and the peace. Now, we began today talking about, you know, a love song. And, you know, so let's talk about a love story. It's kind of interesting. My wife went on a, uh, on a business trip, and when she got to the town, she was going out to Podunk, Nebraska. I mean, a little way out there in the middle of Nebraska. Uh, she had to travel an hour and a half to, 
to, to get to civilization to anywhere near an airport. I mean, we travel an hour, but I mean, we still have civilization. No, no. Farmland. All farmland, okay? Town of 3,000. She arrives, it's snowing. She opens her car door. She parks on the side. And, and the, the people that own the hotel, they, they, it's kind of a, you check in on one side of the street, and they own the old hotel, and they built a new hotel. They own both. And, but, but she parks, she gets out, it's snowing, and, and there's Christmas carolers in, the, in the, you know, the, the little park right there. And, and, you know, and people are out and about. And she goes, I felt like I stepped into a Hallmark movie. And so I started asking, well, well who's going to be your antagonist in the story, you know? I mean, this is not good. <laughs> but our culture is full of both love songs and love stories. Can you imagine all the power uh, you would have if we could harness all that creative energy that has been devoted into writing love songs and writing love stories throughout history? And if you start with the songs and the movies and the stories that we know in our time and start scrolling back through history, through the novels and, and poems and plays and you know epics and oral narratives, and the list could go on and on and on and on, kind of like I do on Sundays. You know, it just keeps going. It seems throughout you know, our entire history, we as humans have been inspired and moved and confused and intrigued and motivated all by love and at the same time trying to understand it. I mean, this year is my 25th wedding anniversary. I mean, who can understand that? She stayed with me for 25 years. Maybe this says something about us. Maybe there's a reflection uh, there of our like origins of the creator and our deepest longings that were put in us. God's love is, is woven through our very creation, our very existence and being. But have you ever thought about the story of Mary and Joseph being a love story? I mean, we all know it as a Christmas story, right? I mean, they're forced to be married. I mean, that's the way we look at it, right? I mean, Jewish culture, you know. But, I mean, we've heard it over and over and over. But think of it I mean, from Mary and Joseph's perspective, a love story. Imagine with me a play. Imagine with me and, and place yourself back in this ancient, dusty days of, of Israel and, and no electricity, you know, and all those wonderful things that we love now. You know, our, our our problem is, did we plug in the iPad at night? You know, I mean, versus uh, you know back then. But those dusty days of of ancient Israel under Roman Empire and and them being in charge and, you know, a small village of of Nazareth and there lives a carpenter there named Joseph. He was of noble character and noble ancestry. He's distantly related to King David himself, but he lives a humble life working with his hands as a tradesman probably learned to build things uh, that, you know, that his father built. Some type of carpenter, but, you know, we think of carpenter, we think of woodworking, but it was a lot of stone mason also, so think of it as both. And some scholars think that Joseph grew up in Bethlehem, actually, and had moved at some point up to Nazareth about 70 miles north as the crow flies. And, you know, maybe that, uh, you know, maybe he went there to start his own carpentry business. We don't really know. Maybe he had relatives there. 
Maybe the town just needed a new carpenter and he thought it was a good opportunity. We just don't know for sure, but we know that he was there. We can speculate that Joseph had probably been working long enough to establish himself in the community. And he was honorable and he was a fair man and successful you know, craftsman. And this would have, been made, it would have made him a, a, an eligible, eligible bachelor. Probably older than 20 years old. He could have been up to 30, could have been 35, because a lot of times they would marry young girls with older men once they established themselves. But he could have been young as 20, and he was ready to marry and start his own family. I'm sure the younger girls of the village, or, or more likely their fathers, would have noticed how hardworking he was. Now, Jewish marriage customs of the day, which we do not abide by today, which is great. Um, but they're quite different than ours because they, they followed a clearly defined legal guideline that took three different stages on this. You had the contract, you had the consummation, and then you had a celebration. And that's how the Jewish weddings work. First, Mary's father would have gone to Joseph to propose and arrange the marriage. And we think, What? Yeah, dad would have gone off and talked to the men and try to find somebody as, as far up the status that he could afford because there comes a dowry with it. You got to pay. I mean, it's just really weird. It's just a different way of thinking. But a cash price and a, and a dowry would have been set and Joseph would, would marry Mary. Maybe along with some gifts. Contract was called the kabuta or, let's see, ket. Tuba, I can't even say it. They would have signed this contract. At some point, Jerry, uh, Joseph and Mary were married 100%, and they haven't ever dated. They're not living together. Really not much interaction with them. But at this point, he's legally her husband, and she was his wife. Then the couple would get to know each other. This is more like the dating stage that we would be used to. Minus the dinner and the movie, okay? Mary would still live with her family during this point, and, and, uh, and at some point in the future, uh, maybe a year, maybe more, depending on the bride's age and other factors, Joseph would lead a you know, procession of his friends to Mary's house where she would be waiting with a group of her friends where we get the concept of bridesmaids. Then while everyone waited at the house, and this is really weird, they would consummate the marriage. Everybody would be outside waiting. I don't know why. Stage two of the marriage called the, uh, the, the chupa. And then everyone would gather together and they would have a marriage feast to celebrate the final stage of the, of the process. These two are, are married and they're committed together. Very different than what we're used to. And it probably sounds quite awkward to most of us in this day. I mean, couldn't you imagine all your friends? Yeah, okay, no, don't imagine. But anyway, you're, you're probably thinking, how unromantic. Where's the romance in all this? Where's the love story in all this? Well, maybe it was unromantic, but maybe not so fast. Just because the culture and these traditions of the ancient days looked so different doesn't mean there wasn't a deep love here flowing between this historic couple and probably even romance. I mean, use your imaginations a little. The Bible doesn't fill in these details, so we're kind of, I mean, I'm kind of out there, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not 
the, the details aren't there, but maybe it went a little like this. I mean, Mary was certainly a little younger than Joseph, and tradition suggests she was probably a teenager, and in that day, that, uh, that was marriageable age, you know, like, well, you know, the men became men at age 13, right in there, and you, you were answerable for your actions starting at that age. So the women starting about 13, 14, 15, they were able to get married. A different culture, you, you died a lot younger and so forth, so things started a lot earlier. But all these, all these options and opportunities of hers, you know, of her life path would have depended greatly on who she married and the family life of that person. She would have known who Joseph was, still fairly young and rugged and strong. I mean, he worked with his hands and, you know, he, he worked with stone and all that kind of stuff. So, so I mean, he, he was fit. From little we've been told in the Bible, he must have been like an even-killed personality, you know, very confident, very kind to, to those that are around him. Could you imagine conversations like, hey, Father, do you know who Joseph the carpenter is? Hint, hint. I'm sure conversations like that happen in many of the Jewish families. Mary might have hinted to the father. I mean, typical girls are looking around at the guys. Mary's mother could have suggested to her husband, Hey, that Joseph, he's a good man. That's the kind of man that I want for my daughter. I mean, as a parent, don't you always have that hope? Of, I mean, you know, you're, you're hoping that, you know, when I was dating Lisa, I knew they would like her, but I was hoping that her family would like me. You know what I'm saying? He would have been known to all the young girls in the village. I mean, their fathers were his customers. He would have built furniture in their home. He would have crafted yokes and plows and, and shovels and, you know, for their farms and wheels for their carts. He listened as they talked to their families. He knew who was, who was kind. He knew was, who was fair in business and, and in family and social life. And maybe, just maybe, there were several local girls or families who had their eye on Joseph as marriageable material. I mean, human hearts and emotions have been the same throughout history, haven't they? We all want love. No matter how formal or different the different social aspects are, or the, you know, the customs. I wonder if Joseph's ever said anything like, have you seen Mary? You know, to a friend of his, a buddy of his. You know, maybe he was a romantic her eyes sparkled like the sun off the Sea of Galilee. Who knows? Mary could have had a sister, and, and you know, I saw Joseph laughing and playing around with the little kids, and, and, you know, while I was watching him outside the workshop, the sound of his voice was musical. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know how these things happen? And eventually the young couple was married, bound to each other for life, with their hearts stirring, and their future uncertain, like the rest of us. They could know, uh, you know, there was no way of knowing what they would truly face together on their journey as husband and wife. Just like, you know, 28 and a half years ago when I started dating Lisa, we had no idea what was going to happen. We had no idea we were going to be married that, 
you know, and all that kind of stuff. And 25 years of marriage. We had no idea the ins and outs and where the Lord would take us, the ups and the downs and the swings of, of life. The same for everybody. But the excitement would have filled them as the formalities were signed. There would have been this nervousness between the couple. What are we getting ourselves into? And who exactly is this person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? You know, when, the, when it was you know, signed at the very beginning, they didn't really know each other. Joseph could have, you know, carved a little small wooden box or, as a gift for his new wife or maybe a flower to reflect her beauty or a bird because the grace, you know, maybe he says something like, the grace reminds me of you. Or perhaps a small box where, with a valuable, you know, where her valuables could go and she could store her treasures. Mary might have sat out there and liked to watch Joseph shaping and creating in the workshop where they could talk and laugh as you know before they you know started living together she might have baked for him some some breads or some cakes or you know she knew she would know what was his favorites and what were uh, weren't were what wasn't and and certainly would have joined mary's families for meals and gatherings together and celebration and religious festivals sharing life and all the days and you know all the twists and the turns and all the stuff that would happen with each day that passed, this young couple learned more about each other. What made them laugh? How they handled challenges in life. How they, they handled, you know, the hard days. And how they handled celebrations. The strengths of their personalities. The imperfections of each other. Where they felt. Where their hope was at where their fears were and what their dreams were for the future, how many children they each wanted, what kind of home Joseph would one day build for his wife and his family, how they longed for that day to come when dad finally said, it's time for you guys to move in together. Each day passed, Mary and Joseph chose love. And that love continued to deepen and grow. So you can imagine the emotional bombshell that went off when Joseph heard the news. How could you, Mary? How could you do this to me? How could you do this to us? How could you do this to your family? What about my family? I thought you loved me the way I loved you. We were going about this the right way honoring God and honoring our families and honoring each other and now now this I mean you could understand the betrayal that that he would feel the the betrayal of adultery or or, or been you know if, if you've ever been through that or been through somebody that was close to that I mean you understand that you're you're devastated because of that betrayal and the pain is is visceral I mean the wound almost feels physical like your chest has been literally ripped open. It takes time to heal that. There was a broken trust that Joseph would have felt when Mary came with him to the new, you know, with the news. Joseph, I know this sounds crazy, but an angel visited me. And he's probably going, where is this going? And told me I was going to have a baby. Well, 
well, when did he say that? Because we're not, you know, yeah. And then the angel said his name's going to be Jesus. Oh, great, she's already planned the name. And he will be great and will be called the Son of God, you know, Son of the Most High. He's the Messiah. Joseph, you have to believe. It's a miracle. And she's trying to put off the very last sentence because, because I'm pregnant. So you can imagine his reaction. All the stuff he just previously heard just went out the door, you know? You're what? I mean, maybe you tried to listen to the first part. Angel, miracle, Messiah. But he would have felt the weight of the last word, pregnant. Everybody knows there's only one way to get pregnant, people, right? And Joseph knew that he would not have been involved. Everyone who would have known that he would not have been involved, you know, unless he dishonored Mary and her family, you know, if he had dishonored her and publicly, you know, went out and shamed her, it would have been a disgrace to their community and to his family and her family. This is all too much for Joseph. Maybe he walked away in silence, I don't know, broken and speechless. Maybe he walked away and, and, and shouted and stormed off and sent Mary away in tears. You know, things don't always go so smoothly. Maybe this was the part where Mary went to spend three months with her Aunt Elizabeth, away from her own village, away from everybody she knew, to figure out what to do. How would people ever believe the story that Mary was telling? Could he ever believe it? Maybe she went away to give Joseph time to accept what was going on. So the lovers parted with pain and anger and distrust, swirling in and around them. And young Mary was clinging desperately to the encouraging words from an angel and the knowledge deep in her that she had the Messiah in her belly. No matter how incredulous this sounded and how miraculous it was, God's very son sprung to life within her. Somehow God would make a way. Isn't that just the kind of crisis that threatens to destroy any good love story? Now, the exact circumstances are different from what you and I will ever face, but the feelings and the emotions we understand, the challenges are no different at their core. Mary and Joseph is a true human love story, but it's also a supernatural love story that involves you and I and every human who has walked or will ever walk this earth. Let's dig deeper into the point and look at how this affects you and I and how we can experience uh, the supernatural love of God with us through the Advent you know, season and beyond. If we were watching the movie of the Mary and Joseph love story, this is where the, the camera would just kind of pan back drifting out of the dusty Galilean village and you would see the landscape and the hills wider and wider, you know, the ancient uh, area and the geographical forms we'd recognize. You'd start to see, you know, the continents and the landscapes and all the, the different, you know, the oceans and all that kind of stuff. And further and further we'd get away and you'd see the blue ball of earth and, and the green that was there and still further, you know, out into the uh, solar system, and then you see the Milky Way galaxy. 
beyond the limits of physics that bind our creation, and there would be only one presence, a supernatural presence, an infinite presence that is love. There would only be God. Somehow, over and within all things, he is present, and he's moving all the time, including the entire history of humanity that appears only as a tiny little blip. The Apostle John said it simply in, in the best way. He said, God is love. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is the nature of God. This is the nature of the one that we worship on a weekly basis. Love in the purest form. See, love was there at the center of God's creative forces that made the universe and formed people in his image and the relationship with him. And that's what he wanted. Love was there even when the world fell into sin and rebellion and went against God's way. Love was there shepherding Adam and Eve and their families into this altered world because of sin. Even then, love was making a way to restore all that had been lost. Love forged a covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Love continued uh, to lead the Israelites through relocation and resettlement. Love triumphed through imprisonment and exile as we trace through the Old Testament. Love guided and corrected and exhorted and showed mercy to the Israelites, to an ever disobedient people that, that were so easily distracted. Does that sound like you and I? In Mary and Joseph's story, love has taken a form of humanity in, in the Messiah Jesus. Love is God with us. And love would be Mary and Joseph to care for them and provide everything that they would need. A test of, of a good love story is this. Is love enough? Is love strong enough and deep enough and true enough to handle X? Y or Z. From the trivial and annoying, I'd never be that way. Trivial and annoying to the catastrophic and potentially crushing. Yes, my friends, love is enough. God is enough, and his love is faithful because God is love. Mary's journey to her, her cousin's Elizabeth's house couldn't, couldn't have been easy at all. I mean, all the thoughts that were going there. I mean, that, that walk would have been long and hot. The road must have been lonely, and the miles would echo in her brain. And she had, you know, all the recent conversations that she had, all this stuff. You know how we are. We replay those things over and over and over and over. The disbelief and confusion from her family. And always the hope and the promise delivered by the angel is the underlining thing. She knew the truth, but how would everybody else know the truth? What was going to happen to her? But as soon as Mary arrived, she was greeted with what? Love. Blessed are you 
among women. And blessed is the child you will bear, Elizabeth exclaimed. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Could you imagine the relief that she would feel? Immediately, Elizabeth, who was carrying her own miracle child, knew and confirmed to Mary that love was there, that God was there, and that everything was going to be all right. Mary's response was overwhelming. She said, and, and maybe she's saying this, I don't know, but she said in Luke 1, 46, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. In the midst of Mary's human crisis, God provided just the love that she needed to get through this point. Someone who understood her, someone who supported her. And this is often God's way of, of showing love to us. He, you know, as we walk in love, he knows just what we need at the right time. And this is why we have to love each other so much. That at a point we have to say, you know what? I don't care about all that junk that happened. I don't care. You need to be a part of the family. You need to be here. I don't care what, it, no, 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 no. Get that out of your mind. It's important. As we walk in his love, he knows what we need. He brings us support from other people around us. On the flip side, he often uses us to provide that love and support for others. In Joseph's case, his needs were a little different. Back in Nazareth, and pain and confusion of what Mary did to him from his point of view. How dare she? I mean, Joseph had decided, I'm going to divorce her. I'm going to do it this quietly. But I, I, no, I can't stand for this. The pain was too much for him. He couldn't believe that this was happening. And while he legally could have taken Mary to the courts and had her tried and potentially stoned to death, he still had this love for her. So he would do it quietly. He couldn't do that. But he couldn't also handle the breach of trust. And, and the law allowed him to divorce her quietly and try not to make a public disgrace of her. And that's when, in the supernatural love story that God is bringing to us, God knew that Joseph needed some supernatural love. So Joseph, too, you know, got a visit from the angel with the message in Matthew 1.20. or one twenty, it said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Notice exactly, you know, how God knew exactly what was in the heart of Joseph. It was fear. God knew that Joseph, you know, needed reassurance. That he needed, he could trust Mary. He needed that and he needed her love. And ultimately he could trust God in the, in the middle of all this. And God's love would make a way. It would make a way in their amazing unbelievable, dangerous, supernatural, and ultimately 
triumphant love story that looked like nothing you and I could ever come up with. Joseph chose to love and trust. And even though the law told him that he could do otherwise, it's a beautiful reflection of God's own choice to love and foster relationship with you and I because God could divorce us because of our actions. Even though our sin sin means death and separation from the holy, perfect God, in his nature of pure love, he chose us, even at a terrible price to himself, that Jesus would come and die. John 3.16 tells us that it was because of the love that God sent Jesus to this earth to give his life for you and I. The love of God is with us. And God's perfect love is, you know, in human form is Jesus. And as we celebrate this, it's the love that, that knows exactly what we need to hear. No matter what we're facing during this season, no matter what we're going through this season, we need to hear God's love. Whether it's support or restoration, or whether it's an encounter that needs to be miraculous, Whatever it is, God knows exactly what you need, and God's love is with us. It's here with you, and it's making a way to accomplish God's work in your life. As mind-blowing as it is, God's love is eternal. It's never-ending like God himself. It was, it is now, it will be, and he will never stop demonstrating his love for you and I. He won't. And he'll do this in tangible ways that are both daily occurrences and history-changing events like Christ's births. Eventually, all things we know will come to an end at some point. The good, the bad, and the life itself. But Andrew Peterson, you know, sings in, in After the Last Tear Falls, a song. He says, in the, and in the end, the, the end is oceans and oceans of love and love again then we'll find that all our tears have been caught up in God's hands, the giver of love. That the love of God was with us, and it was lived out before us, and he would hold us forever and ever. Just as the hopeful words that Paul wrote in Romans 8, 38 and 39, he says, for I am For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like any true God-written love story, Mary and Joseph's story did not end with themselves. It was built upon the foundation of God's perfect supernatural love. And they trusted God, and they followed him on the crazy ride of their life, unlike anybody else's in history. And when they opened their hearts to God, there was love. He allowed it to flow through them as a small current of overwhelming ocean. And this is the same one that sweeps us up. 
It started with them and it sweeps us up. Mary and Joseph were in it together. The journey, you know, this long journey to Bethlehem, the long story and seemingly desperate night with Mary was about to give birth and not even a place to rest. And, you know, the birth and the first cry of the Messiah was held in, in her arms in a stable where the animals were. And then the joy of the others, that you know, the shepherds that eventually came, the exotic wise men and, you know, Simon and Anna when they showed up at the... Uh, uh, at the you know at the temple on the eighth day and and, and them and and the prophets in the temple and, and you know recognize him as a savior as a tiny baby and recognize said I've seen the savior I can go home to be with my Lord now the angelic visits and the warnings to flee to another country to protect their child and then to return I mean the inside knowledge that Mary and Joseph shared unbelievable you can imagine the conversations that they had and the questions that they would ask each other as they would discuss things why us we're no different than so-and-so that I grew up with why did God choose us but from the beginning they recognized Jesus their son was so much more his life existed for all of us because he was God with us his love was offered to the world and with this knowledge, they chose to live with open hands, trusting and living out their miraculous love that had been given to them. In this Advent season, we have the opportunity to reflect on how, you know, on the love that's been given to us and how we can do the same for other people. Are you reflecting God's love out there? Because this world desperately needs it. In John 13, 34, Jesus taught, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. But by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The ability to do so begins with our open, you know, with, with us opening ourselves to God's love. And then it grows within us and it overflows to the extent through the kindness and the care and support the, that we give to other people. The, you know, sometimes it, it's, it's the small things, it's a small step, and sometimes it requires a big leap, and we need to be willing to do both. But through it all, we can trust and we can know that is love that holds us because God is with us and love is with us it's eternal it's vast it's powerful it's love and yet at the same time it's gentle and tender and personal and it is love that will make a way no matter what we're facing in this season or in the days ahead, love is there. In Ephesians, Ephesians 3.17, it says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. 
I know it began in Genesis. But the fruition of all that promise came to a head through Jesus Christ being born on this earth. The ultimate showing of love is God coming down here to this earth and putting up with all of our mess because he loved you and I. And he wants to use us to love this world. So who are you going to love this week? That's the question God is asking. Who are you going to love this week? Why don't you stand as uh, the worship team comes and finishes us up. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the love you've given us in our life. The love that you've shown for us. How you decided to come down this uh, come down to this earth and and literally connect with me and those that are in this church that you provided an opportunity for us to to come to you and say you are our lord you showed us kindness you, sh- you cared for us in ways that we don't even understand we pray lord as we come before you and we hear your word and we go back out into this world that your love just exudes from us, that your love just overwhelms those that we're around, that it's not about us, but that we would be used to point to you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. May his love grow brighter and brighter in you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. What